Well, Biden is already calling it an invasion. Putin is calling it peacekeeping. And now it looks like Russia will venture further into Ukraine territory to claim more of the Donbass region. So the situation in Eastern Europe looks like it was only going to get worse. But markets are far from overreacting to all of this, perhaps because the sanctions imposed on Russia so far have been fairly mild. But it is an evolving story. And maybe the uncertainty will be enough to keep the RBNZ away from raising rates by half a percent today. Meanwhile, inflation, there's more of it. What's it done to Australian wages? We'll find out today. It's Wednesday, the 23rd of February, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, stocks and commodities have certainly been influenced by the Ukraine situation and the potential impact of sanctions against Russia. The Dow is down 1.4% at close, 0.8% for the S&P 500, and a percent drop in the Nasdaq. They were down much more than that, but have fallen back a little bit since Joe Biden spoke. But the S&P is down more than 10% now from its January the 3rd high. Today, the dollar hasn't moved much. The euro is up 0.1%. The Aussie dollar has gained 04 4 percent back up over 72 US cents now. The pound is down 0.1 percent. The euro is up 0.1 percent. Not much movement in 10-year treasuries, down just one basis point. But two-year yields up six basis points. And uh, 10-year gilts are up six basis points as well from a sharp rise at the start of the trading day in the UK, now at 1.47 percent. And German 10-year bunds up four basis points at 0.24 percent. And oil, as you might expect, is up. WTO has gained 1.4 Brent is up 1%, uh, over $96 a barrel now. In both cases, coming back a little from the highs earlier on in the session. Uh, so let's start with Ukraine, with NAB's Ray Atrel in Sydney. So sanctions are coming into force, mainly against Russian banks. We heard about that uh, earlier in the session from the British Prime Minister. Now, President Biden has announced that no trading as well in Russian sovereign debt And Europe is going to shelve the Nord Stream 2 gas pipeline, uh, which, of course, has added to gas prices today. Uh, You know, there's going to be more of this. This is just the beginning, isn't it? And Biden is saying, you know, if there is more, if there's more incursions, then he's going to do more in terms of uh, sanctions. Not talking about military action, but you can just tell this is just going to get worse, isn't it? Presumably, um, the, obviously, the short answer and good morning, Phil, is, is, is we don't know. But, but the market reaction has been remarkably restrained. I think because you know the sanctions yeah. that have been announced so far clearly fall well short of the the toughest curbs that uh, have, are, are available to uh, to the West or have been threatened, for example. Um, you know, and it seems as though you know for the time being, you know, unless or until there is a much deeper incursion into the Ukraine by Russian forces, then, um, you know, the, the West is holding back some of its firepower as far as retaliation is concerned. But I have seen in the last um, half an hour or so that, um, you know, Moscow has said that it intends to uh, extend its incursions into, you know, the Donetsk and, and Luhansk regions to the whole of the region. And that's significant because, you know, the two cities or the areas that are already controlled by separatists, you know, I think have, um, you know, together have, what is it, less than one and a half million um, populations. But if you extend that to the whole of the region, you're, you're talking about 3.6 million. Mm. And Well, um, and, you know, of course they are uh, going into an area which has been an area which has been uh, in dispute for a long time. Uh, and uh, Putin is saying, we are the peacekeepers coming in to help the 
separatists in that in that region. Uh, and so it's not really changing the situation a great deal. When he goes uh, away from where the separatists are and tries to claim more ground, the, the, the wider Dundas, Donbass region, then, I mean, it's hard to argue that is anything other than an invasion, isn't the it? The White really? House has already been out calling the Russian troop movements an invasion, which yeah. is the first time that that term has been used. And um, I was listening to a fascinating interview with a geopolitical analyst from the Australian National University um, on ABC Radio last night. And, um, you know, one of the points he made was, you know, in relation to the um, you know, the troops massing uh, in uh, Belarus, noting that um, it's 80 kilometers from Belarus to Kiev, the capital of Ukraine, and that uh, he described that as a morning stroll for uh, a fleet of T-90 Russian tanks. So, um, you know, that's still, you know, a, a something to watch extremely closely. So, um, yeah. so, but just say, for the moment, um, you know, the West has sort of pulled back a little bit. We have had um, uh, Medvedev, the, um, the former Russian um, President, and I think he's the deputy chair of the Security Council, saying that uh, welcome to the new world of uh, two thousand euro uh, gas, which. Um I thought, oh my God, that's, uh, that, that sounds high. But actually, we've already been 2,000, uh, what is it, 2,000 uh, euros per 1,000 cubic meters back in December when we had those first major supply disruptions. But that does amount to, um, and if we get back there, that's, what, 172 um, euros per megawatt hour. Um, mm. And we have gone from sort of 72 to 80. So, you know, we know that's one of the ways where the rubber is going to hit the road here. And as you say in your intro, um, you know, oil prices have probably been the the asset that has shown the biggest uh, price Which rise you, last night. Where are we? Ninety-seven dollars for Brent. And that presumably at, at last look, explains so. why the Australian dollar is doing quite well. Because you'd be thinking, with all this uncertainty, I mean, it's curious that we're not seeing much movement in currencies. But you know, normally you'd expect the Aussie dollar would be taking a bit of a hit. But it's uh, it's on the rise this week. Well, that's right. But, I mean, also, I mean, two things, I guess. One is that uh, that risk sentiment maybe hasn't as yet been hit as hard as you would expect. But mm. certainly yesterday, I think there was a fair bit of head scratch, scratching going on during our time zone um, that we had seen. You know, we, we saw some you know, U.S. stock indices. The Hang Seng, for example, was off 3%. U.S. Uh, equity futures were off sort of plus or minus 2%. And yet Aussie was actually hanging in there and is actually one of the better performing currencies on the night. So I think, yes. Um, you know, the, the strength, the fact that oil prices are going up and, and some commodity prices more generally. Um, Rodrigo was reminding me um, yesterday that, um, you know, in terms of the significance of Russia in global commodity markets, it's it's not just about oil and gas there. You know, they supply, what is it, <coughs> excuse me, 45 percent of the world's palladium. Mm. 15% of platinum, 8% of oil, 9% of gold, 5% of nickel, 5% of wheat, 4% of aluminium, 3% of coal, take your pick. So, you know, if we are going to see either embargoes on uh, the export of those goods, then, you know, there may be broader um, terms of trade impacts as far as Australia that could be positive. But, um, you know, we're also speculating to what happens in practice. Does, do a lot of those, um, do a lot of those commodities actually, you know, does China become the primary buyer, for example, and do they end up on global markets anyway. through some other securitous yeah. route? And worth remembering that, um, you know, when China stopped buying 
um, Australian coal um, you know, a year or so ago, um, you know, Australia managed to find um, alternative markets for that coal. And, um, you know, and overall exports haven't been uh, adversely affected and we've had positive price effects as well. So, mm. so I think there is a little bit of that, but we shouldn't get carried away because ultimately I think if we see a much deeper correction in risk, I think Aussie will you know, inevitably suffer in that environment. Well, and, and, you know, commodity prices and, and the Aussie dollar have largely been divorced for much of the last year. So, um, mm. you know, I don't think we should hang a hat on that as reason to think that the Aussie dollar is going to necessarily build on, on those re- most recent gains. And who knows how this is going to play out? Because we've got the NATO Secretary General Stoltenberg saying, you know, there's every indication that Russia is is, is planning a, a full attack. We've got, uh, you know, if, if, you, if you watch RT uh, and get the propaganda from the other side, I mean, they, they really are saying, you know, we are the peacekeepers. And Putin, if you believe the surveys, like the Yuri Levada Analytical Center, he's got an approval rating of 70%. Now, maybe, you know, spurious statistics, or maybe that's the case. I mean, I certainly have spoken to Russians who say, well, he's enormously popular because he's done so much for the country. So is this going to damage him? And uh, probably not if he's showing strength. And on the, on the other side, you know, how united are NATO going to be if some NATO members are feeling the hurt from sanctions more than others through increased fuel costs? I mean, it's a... It's a, it's a complex web, isn't it? We'll have to see how it plays out. No, Look, no absolutely. Aside from Eastern Europe, the uh, let's get on to, to other stuff. The uh, the data around COVID recovery has been okay, hasn't it? We look at the US services PMI. We saw it for uh, for Europe yesterday. Uh, and uh, then overnight, uh, the services PMI has gone from 51.2 to 56.7 in February. Manufacturing from 55.5 to 57.5. These are much higher than expected. Although, of course, as we said yesterday, strong PMIs can add to more inflation pressure. In which respect, note that the um, the prices uh, charged component of the uh, those market PMIs was at record highs. Mm. So, you know, I think that one of the points and if you look at the uh, you know the front end of the US curve for example um, we've actually seen a, a reversal of the uh, of the setback that we saw in front end yields because I think you know the realization is that uh, you know to the extent we're going to see higher oil and commodity prices it's going to add to inflation pressures but you know the evidence is, is already that uh, you know price pressures are already you know building or showing no, no meaningful signs of yet of, of falling back and that's the message from those uh, from those PMI numbers isn't it? Yeah. And the other thing to note is that um, you know we've certainly been um, flagging the uh, the extreme weakness that we've seen in the likes of the University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment Index in recent months. But we had the conference board's uh, measure out last night, and um, you know that hasn't shown nearly the, the scale of the decline. It was what 110.5, a little bit stronger than expected. Um, and down only modestly from uh, from a downward revised uh, December reading. So, uh, so at the moment, it's still the case that uh, you say the economy looks in reasonably rude health, and uh, and let's say with no sign of price pressures going down at the moment, these geopolitical strains aren't doing anything to really detract from expectations of what um, central bank policymakers are likely to be doing in the next little while. Yeah, well, it, it's going to create an interesting situation, isn't it? If, if inflation is is driven more by commodities than anything else, what 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 impact is that monetary policy going to have? House prices also on the rise, of course, eighteen point eight percent year on year, the highest since nineteen eighty seven in the United States, and in Europe, uh, also strong. 
strong numbers. The IFO business climate up from 96 to 98.9. Expectations up from 95.8 to 99.2. If it wasn't for that inflation word and that Ukraine word, uh, there'd be an awful lot of confidence in the markets right now, wouldn't there? I mean, they are two very big ifs, of course. Well, no, no, absolutely. And uh, and again, one of the uh, you know the conversations that uh, you know that Gavin and Rigo myself are having is is that uh, were it not for um, you know Russia Ukraine situation, um, you know the building evidence both in terms of uh, you know eurozone uh, recovery or the potential for recovery once some of these uh, Russia Ukraine. Uh, concerns do uh, do fall back a little bit if they indeed do, and, and the changing messaging that's already coming from the European uh, Central Bank um, is very very fertile ground for you know a significant uplift in in, in the euro exchange rate. Mm. So uh, at the moment, the economic evidence and the uh, the signalling from the ECB is, is is certainly you know pointing to a positive story for the euro. But we all know why that's being you know held back just for the moment. So uh, talking about inflation, Australia's wage price index for q4 today somewhere between 2.4 or 2.5 percent is the expectation that's very low isn't it if you look at the uk for example i mean pay, pay growth there is 4.2 percent we're way down no absolutely so um and obviously the market i think is probably braced for uh for a surprise to the upside there but mm. uh, say talking to uh to tapas now economists i mean this is a fairly slow moving beast and you know you've got the sort of uh, you know the dragging anchor if you like of uh, of wage settlements that are the result of sort of enterprise bargaining agreements that can only sort of roll every two to three years um or there will be a little bit of an up lift from some increases there that were held over from Q3 to Q4, um, you know, but also, you know, public sector wages have been running well below private sector wages. So that's also been holding things back. So, um, but we are expecting a, a, an uplift. Um, but as you say, to sort of 2.4 on headline and maybe 2.5% for a private sector wages. So, you know, that is, um, you know, the, the RBA is still saying that we think that uh, wages growth will, will get maybe to 275 by the end of the year. And, you know, we clearly see some upside risks to that but if the numbers come in close to expectations i think the rba is going to feel vindicated that um it can continue with its patient approach to policy at least mm. for the time being you know or hasn't or, or, or until or unless it gets some more significant uh, upside surprises either on the wages front or, or simply on sort of headline cpi so um and certainly we're saying that the risks are you know, that the RBA is subject to some potentially significant upside surprises relative to its latest forecast. But that's a, that's a story for another day. But, but it's certainly a different scale of problem, isn't it, faced by uh, many other parts of the world. We get uh, Q4 construction work done as well. So the first of the... Uh, partial indicators for, for, for GDP. How's that, where's that going to come in at? Well, we're looking for something strong there, so 2.5%. So uh, it's a pretty, uh, you know, one of the minor sort of partials, but, um, you know, we'll get a much bigger, uh, more important read on, on the CapEx numbers in the, in the next uh, day or two as well. So, uh, so I think there'll be a little bit of, uh, of notice taken there. Arguably, what's happened in Q4 you know, is very much yesterday's news, and, sort of, and, and that's the sort of week or so away. But um, mm. So a little bit of interest in that, and then obviously, you know, probably bigger focus down here on, on the Reserve Bank of New Zealand. Yeah, exactly. So middle of the day today. So, I mean, there, obviously, inflation very high, the highest since the 90s. Uh, so the question is, are they going to go for a half percent interest rate rise? We think not. But uh, BNZ colleagues are saying they would not be surprised. But uh, I think that, you know, the message coming from, you know, central bankers and, and you know, the majority of the Bank of England, for example. And I did note that, uh, that the BOE's Ramsden, who voted for 50 basis points last month, said that it was a very finely balanced decision. So, um, you know, we think the same as far as uh, the RBNZ today. So we're in the 25 point camp as are the majority of uh, 
analysts. But uh, given, as you say, that the you know the undoubted strength of inflation pressures, it wouldn't be terribly surprised. But uh, remember, the RBNZ you know held back in its very first rate rise in a, um, last year, uh, blaming Omicron as, as as one of the reasons just to hold back a little bit, and and arguably the geopolitical situation and yep. you know the potential for what's to come might also just at the margin you know militate in favour of, of twenty five. So so fifty, I think, would certainly a be surprise. Uh, be something of a shock where yeah. that's the transpired. Okay, and then Andrew Bailey, uh, the Governor of the Bank of England, uh, appearing before the Treasury Committee in the UK, along with others in his uh, Monetary Policy Committee. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what that what they say on their interest rate rises. We haven't really got time to talk about it, but anyway, all eyes are going to be on the Ukraine today, aren't they? So <laughs> maybe we should look in that direction. Indeed. Instead. Good to talk, Ray. Catch you again soon. Thank you. Well done. Cheers, Phil. And that's it. That's the morning call for this Wednesday morning. I'm Phil Dobby for now. Back again tomorrow morning. 